Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When we were born into this world, we became a child of our parents. And this most certainly was a very exciting moment for them because they brought a person into the world, a person who would then have an opportunity to really enjoy the creation that God had made. They brought a person into this world that they would be able to take care of and direct and enjoy. This was a very important moment as we became a child of our parents. But hopefully at some point in our life as we would live our daily lives, as we would grow into maturity, we would come to discover the God who created all things and we would come to discover the gospel, the good news of what he has provided to us in order to provide us with an opportunity to be born again as a child of God. So just as we were born into this world, we became a child of our parents, so also we have an opportunity to be born again, or born anew, born from above, as the Lord Jesus spoke with Nicodemus about. We would at some point have an opportunity to become a child of our God through being born again by his Spirit. When we were born physically into this world, we had a physical life. But when we are born spiritually through the restoration of the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam, the free gift of life that is offered to everyone in humanity, through that restoration, through that resurrection, we are born anew as a child of the living God. But what does it really mean to be a child of God? When thinking about it in terms of being a child of our parents, it's very easy for me to stand up and say, Greetings, I am so-and-so, the child of so-and-so, and so-and-so. And And if you heard me say that and identify my parents, you might say something like, well, who are they? What does that mean, to say that you are a child of this person or that person? What does that really mean? Of what value is that really? Because I don't know that person. I don't know those people who are your parents. I don't know them, and so for you to identify yourself with them really doesn't have a whole lot of meaning to me personally. So likewise, when we speak about being a child of God, well then, what does that mean? If a person does not know God, if they don't really know who he is, they don't know anything about him, they don't know about his character, they don't know about his being, they don't know about his active participation in the lives of the people that he created, if they don't know anything about him, then it does not have a lot of meaning to them when we say something like, I am a child of God. To them, it generally doesn't have any meaning at all. And to us as well, of what value is it really to say that I am a child of God if I don't really know God? It's easy for me to say I am a child of my father and my mother. It's easy for me to say that. And it does have some meaning to me because I do know who they are and I know about the things that are important to them and I know what they do in order to participate in the world that I am also a part of. I can say that I am a child of them and that has meaning to me because I know them. But for me to say that I am a child of God and not know who God is and not know anything about him, that is not going to have much meaning at all. When I was born of my parents, I certainly did not know my parents. I have no memory of what my life was like when I was a little baby. 
when I was a little baby, I probably did not have the intellectual capacity to really know my parents anyway. But even though I didn't know who they were and I could not make a strong identification with them in the way that I can make today, I was still their child and I still had an opportunity to grow and mature and discover who they were. So likewise with our relationship with our God, quite often when we are first born again of the Spirit, we don't know Him at all. We don't know anything about Him. We don't have any relationship with Him. We don't know Him in a personal, intimate way that would have any real meaning whatsoever. That's something that we experience as we grow and mature in being a child of God. Just as we grew and mature in being a child of our parents, so also we will grow and mature in being a child of God, gradually getting to know Him. And in time, as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our relationship with Him, to say that we are a child of God will begin to have a unique meaning to it. And identification such as that will begin to truly have a deep sense of meaning behind it because of who we are able to associate with when we refer to being a child of His. Another simple example is consider someone who is very important in our culture today, perhaps the president of our country, or others who exert a great deal of power. We may say that a child of theirs is someone who has importance, someone who has value, if anything, just because they have access to their parents, they have access to special knowledge, perhaps, or special insights with regards to the world that we are presently a part of. In that way, we might say that that person is important. We might say that they have some distinct value. But that would only be because we know their parent, who is a person of great importance. So likewise, with the living God, for us to say that we are a child of God, we could identify ourselves as being important, we could identify ourselves as being of value, but only because of the importance and the value of the person of Christ Jesus, the person of our God, who has created all things and who has made us alive, who has actually made us a child of his. And so to be a child of God does have some distinctive meaning to it, but only in comparison with our knowledge and understanding of our God. And for those who do not know our God, a statement such as that will have very little meaning at all, only because they do not know the person who is our Heavenly Father. When it comes to maturity and growth in the physical sense, when we are maturing and growing in the world that we are a part of right now, when it comes to that, it's very difficult to delay or prevent that from occurring. However, when it comes to our spiritual growth, it is very easy to delay or prevent that from occurring. It's very easy to do. There are various ways that this can occur. The first way is very simple, and that is that you do not continue to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who he is. It's very easy to avoid that. It's very easy to turn away and not listen to what he may want to share with you. It is very easy to be deceived into believing something that isn't true. Well, this can have very profound effects because there are many things that our God will want to reveal to us that do require us to understand other things that he may have shared with us, but we have not believed what he shared with us. We may have believed something else just because somebody who was more important than we felt we were told us that through a sermon or through some message that we heard on Christian radio or on Christian television. There are many messages out there, and many of them will put a person into a tremendous amount of bondage to the extent where they will be paralyzed for years. Years will go by, and they will not experience any maturity, any growth whatsoever in their faith or in their relationship with their God just because of the deception that they have placed themselves under. 
this is a very important reality and is very unique in the growth of the church because there are many people who do make this assumption that as long as you are in the church or you are a believer for a significant amount of time, then the more years that go by, then the more mature you are in the faith. And yet there are others who may just came to know the Lord five years ago and they surpassed you years ago. They surpassed you two or three years ago. They've only been in the faith for one or two years, and yet their maturity in comparison with yours grew in leaps and bounds, and they surpassed you a long time ago. This is a reality in the body of Christ, and unfortunately there are a lot of people who have a significant amount of pride who are not able to cope with that very well, which is also another example of their immaturity. And so in a physical sense, you really can't stop your development very well, But in a spiritual sense, you certainly can, and years do not equal maturity. That is definitely a truth that I have come to know and understand. The scriptures speak about us as a child of God. The scriptures speak of us as a son of God. For example, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Those are just a couple of examples where the scriptures refer to us as a son of God. The scriptures also refer to us as an adopted child of God, described in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, that is Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. To be an adopted child is actually quite unique, because according to the law of Moses, which is a description of the character of God as well, An adopted child was a child that you could never disown. You could never put an adopted child out of your household and not provide them with an inheritance. However, with your other children, you certainly could do that, and it was important to have that authority. Otherwise, it was very difficult to really assert your authority as their parent. For an adopted child, however, that's very different, because a person would adopt a child that would be a mutual agreement, and normally you would have an opportunity to make a little bit of a better decision in comparison with the child that you are simply given through birth, and you have no idea what their character really is like until after they mature a little bit. With an adopted child, you will see their character, and often parents would make a choice to adopt a child on the basis of their character, on the basis of their opportunities to participate in the world that they were going to become a part of. They would adopt them, train them, equip them, disciple them, and as a result, because of the work that the child would do in the household, as a part of the household, they would be guaranteed to have an inheritance. It was a special aspect of being an adopted child. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, we are spoken of as a member of God's household. Now, this is very important to understand because in households, especially back in the time when this was written, a household meant that there were a group of people and everyone actually participated in order to improve the quality of life for everyone who was a part of that household. In today's culture, that certainly is not the case. In very rare cases, it does occur, but in most cases in the culture that we have presently, that is not the experience of a household. In most cases, the experience of a household is that there are very few people who are actually laboring in order to improve the quality of the life of everyone else who is in the household, and everyone else is just enjoying the benefit of the labor of the other individuals who are laboring. We have a different experience in this time in terms of households, but back then it did have that meaning. And so to understand that, if we are a member of God's household, then that means that we are going to be active participants in his family, that we are going to actively participate and be involved in such a way that we are going to contribute to the household that we are a part of. 
And our God, being the head of the household, is going to provide us with our part. He's going to tell us about the things that he would like us to do. He's going to direct us in the way that he would like to direct us. And it's very important for us to pay attention to him, not pay attention to his other children, of course, but to pay attention to him and to be attentive to him and wait for his instructions as he will guide and he will lead us. He has promised us that as his children he will do that. And in the meantime, when he hasn't made it clear to you what he would like you to do at any given moment, then just simply enjoy the fact that you are a member of his household and enjoy him and enjoy what he has already given to you and remember those things that he already gave you to do previously and enjoy those things and perhaps learn from those experiences that you had before. And so to be a member of his household is very important and really does share a lot about our identity and how he sees us. It is a way of understanding our freedom from the world, that we are no longer really a member of the world. We are no longer a member of the world's household. We certainly do have households that we are a part of in general, especially if we have large families. We can have influence in many households. But in God's economy, things are very different, and it's very important to be attentive to how he may direct us to be a part of his family. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, there is another description of our identity in Christ Jesus, and that has to do with being a fellow worker with Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, we are described as a fellow worker with him. So we're not just a member of the household that is performing maintenance duties or other kinds of duties in order to improve the quality of the life of the body of Christ or the life of the church. We also are considered to be a fellow worker, someone who is working with the body of Christ, not just for the benefit of the body of Christ, but also for the benefit of the world, for the benefit of everyone else, because the Lord Jesus was certainly very much involved with reaching out to the entire world. And today, he still is very actively involved in reaching out to others, and that is considered to be a very important work of our God, to reach out to the people who are in this world, to present them with the gospel, for example, and draw them to the Lord Jesus through the truth that he has already revealed to us. To be a fellow worker with Christ Jesus is a very important identity, a very important identification. It is part of the totality of our identity and helps us to understand the freedom that we have from the world, that we are no longer really a worker of the world, that we do not work in order to labor and provide benefit for the world. That's not really what we do. We certainly do work in the world in order to participate in the world and obtain those things that we need to survive and live, and also to be able to provide for those who do depend on us. But this is a different kind of work. This is a different kind of identity that we have been taken out of the world. We have been taken out of that family as a whole, and we have been brought into the family of God. And our part in the family of God is to perform work for the people of God and also to perform work for others who the Lord wants to draw into the family as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4, we are described as a minister of God. This is very shocking for many people. Sometimes people look at others, they look at others who are a part of their church and they say that certain people are ministers and certain people are not ministers. In fact, we even hire people and say, you are our minister in many cases in a church. There are people who assume titles as pastor or priest. These are considered to be special people who are ministers of God, but that is not what he's referring to here. There certainly is value to find someone who is relatively mature in their faith 
and ask them to spend a significant amount of their time to help others mature in their faith through directing them to the Lord Jesus. That certainly is very important and has great value in the development of many people in the body of Christ. But I believe that this passage is referring more to everyone. Everyone who is a member of the body of Christ is effectively a minister. A minister in the sense of sharing with others about the Lord Jesus. Because a pastor or a priest or minister in that sense, their only role really is to share the Lord Jesus with other people. Whenever they give counsel to people, they should always counsel people in the context of knowing the Lord Jesus. Whenever they're wanting to reach out to people with the gospel, they reach out to people with the gospel to direct them to the Lord Jesus. Everything that they do has to do with sharing the Lord Jesus. And so likewise, everyone who is in the body of Christ can certainly do that. They don't need an official title in order to do that. In fact, your God gives all things to you with the expectation that you will take those things that he has given to you and share them with others who are also willing to receive them, to receive a knowledge and understanding of who he is as you have come to know who he is. And perhaps he may work through you with the words that you say to the individual that you're speaking to in such a way that he may confirm in their heart that what you are saying is true. Or maybe not. Or maybe the person just simply won't be willing to listen to what you have to say or consider it as being true at all. Those are the kinds of things that really should not be our concern. Our concern really should just simply be to understand that we are already a minister of God, that he has made us that way, that he has given us that identity because of what he's done and because of what he has given. And to be of service to others is only possible if we have something to give them. And the only thing that we can really have of value, the only thing that we could possibly have of value would be that which our God has given to us. And so consider that as you may consider those things that your God has truly given to you, the insights that he has given to you about himself, the understanding about who he is as a person, and consider sharing those things with other people, letting them know that this is something that has really changed your life, and perhaps it might be of benefit to them. Now, if they're not interested in hearing about it, then just don't tell them about it. Let them know that you have something to share and that you would like to share that with them at some point that they felt it may be of importance or value in their life. But until then, there's no need to bother them with it just because they will know at that point that you do have something for them, but you're not going to give it to them unless they want it. You certainly will respect their right, their ability to reject God because he certainly has given that to them. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, that is Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, we are described in these passages and some others as a possession of God, something that he owns, something that he has, a real possession. Have you ever thought of yourself as a possession of God, something that he has, something that really belongs to him? If you consider that for a moment, then you can understand that there are many things that he does not really consider to be his, not in the same way, not in the same sense. Certainly he does have possession of the entire earth and all that it contains. But in this context, we are something unique. We are something that he considers to be of such great value that he's willing to hide us in himself. The scriptures speak of us as being the hidden in God, for example. 
What do you do with those things that are the most important to you, that you have as a possession, that you feel is the most sacred in your life, that have the greatest value? They certainly may not have great economic value, but they may have personal or sentimental value of some kind. Those are the kinds of things that we tend to hide. We have a little special place in our house or somewhere else where we hide those things that no one else knows about or no one else will be able to find because they don't know where we're hiding those things. And on occasion, we go into this special place or we open this special box and we explore the things that we have in there to be reminded of those things that we found to be very important in our life. I believe that our God looks at us in a very similar way, that when we are born again of the Spirit, we then take a very special place in the possessions that He has, that He sets us apart not only as something that is sanctified and holy, but that He sets us apart as something that has great personal value to Him, not necessarily economic value, but definitely value in a sentimental sense or in a personal sense. And in that way, we are a possession of His. That is our identity that helps us to really understand the value that we have to Him. Your God truly does look at you if you are born again of the Spirit. He truly does look at you as a child of God, as one who is of great value to Him. And through understanding that, you can grow to really appreciate the love that He has for you that He really does love you, and that He really does accept you, that He doesn't see you as something that is incomplete, for example. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, we are referred to as something that is complete. Often we think of ourselves as being incomplete or a work in progress, and there is some truth to that. But from God's perspective, because He doesn't hold our sins against us anymore, our identity to Him, our identification, the way that He sees us, The way that he relates to us is as someone who is complete. We are just as he wants us to be. We certainly are not like him. I don't believe that he ever intended us to really be like him. He intended us to be a reflection of him, but certainly not to be like him. He reserves that just for himself. That was a lie that Adam and Eve believed from the devil, that if they only knew what was good and evil, that they could be like him. I don't believe that our God looks at us in that context, looks at us in terms of that standard, if we are one of his children. But instead, he sees us complete as we are, where we are, and certainly as we mature and grow, he may certainly enjoy that. But I don't believe he would see us as any more complete as a being or as a person that he has made or as a possession that he has as we mature and grow. He also sees us as being perfect. We don't normally see ourselves as being perfect, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, he recognizes our identity as someone who is absolutely perfect. We don't really see ourselves that way in many cases. In fact, many sermons, many messages that are indirectly conveyed or directly preached often say things that are in total contradiction to this. The messages that are conveyed say that you are not perfect and you need to get yourself perfected. And here's the list of all the things that you're doing that are wrong, and here are all the things that you need to do that are right, and so you better get busy, and so you can become perfect before God. Perhaps then he may be pleased with you. But based on Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, the Lord has said very clearly that we are already perfect in his eyes, and we are to enjoy the fact that he sees us that way, not be preoccupied with this false belief that he doesn't see us that way. Because if that's the case, you're going to have to get busy. You're going to have to get really busy. And what are you going to do? And how long will it take? It will take forever. And so while you're busy trying to get yourself complete, or while you're busy trying to make yourself perfect, you're not going to be able to experience his love for you. You're not going to be able to experience his acceptance for you. 
And so the deepest needs that you have in your heart will certainly not be met at all. There will be no hope of that ever being experienced. He refers to us as an ambassador in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are referred to as an ambassador of Christ Jesus, someone who actually represents him. We are not himself. We are not Jesus, that's for sure. But we are his representative. We are one who has been sent out sent out to reach out to others with the message that he has given to us to convey to them. We are his representative in that sense, someone who has that kind of an identity. When we think of ambassadors today as ambassadors into other countries, that we send ambassadors to other countries or other countries send ambassadors to our country, we will look at them with high esteem. We will see them as people who represent an entire nation of people. That has meaning to us when we know the nation that they are representing. We know the people who are there. We know about their value and their participation in the world that we have right now. Then that describes the value of their ambassador. Well, so also you are an ambassador, but you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And that has great value. That has great importance. But, of course, that is only to those who know of the God of this kingdom, who know the God of this kingdom of heaven and know what it is about. For those who do not know anything about heaven, who do not know anything about his kingdom, and certainly do not know anything about the living God, to say that you are an ambassador of him certainly won't have any meaning at all to them. But that's fine, because that is who you are, and that is how you are able to understand more about your relationship with your God, that he identifies you as a person who is his personal representative, that he has sent you out with the words that he has spoken to you, to share those same words with other people. That is a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous honor, something to be acknowledged and understood and recognized. Do not underestimate the importance of that and do not diminish the value of that, that you have been given such a high calling and such a high position in his kingdom. If you are a child of God, one who has been born again by his spirit, by definition, you are an ambassador, one who he has directed to go out and share with others what he has shared with you. And so go forward and represent your kingdom, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus on the basis of what he has done for you and on the basis of what he has given to you. And go in peace. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net